governments are the ones that have control. But then you go back to your original point. How is, you know, government not listening to the people? It's listening to someone else. So it's been, quote unquote, captured. Who has it been captured by? It's been captured by big money interest. Well, how did it get captured by big money interest when, in fact, the federal government itself is the currency creator? And you go back and forth with all these, oh, my God. But the reality is, is that most people don't have any idea how currency is created. They have no idea what it means. They have no idea what a dollar is. Um, They have no idea about how federal governments, especially state currencies work. They think in terms of gold standard logic because the textbooks didn't do much good about teaching fiat systems back in the day. And so in the absence of information, yet once again, they create narratives. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up, everybody? Thanks for stopping by the show. I'm the host, Sean Dustin. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us uh, today. Well, if you hear a little bit of an echo, it's because I'm doing this recording in a different space. Um, so apologize for that. If, uh, yeah, um, what's happening, uh, it is the 10th of October, and I was planning on having this this one released uh, during the week. Um, I'm trying for two episodes a week right now uh, to try to move through some of these. Uh, I keep taking interviews, so you know the the stack just keeps growing and growing. I think I'm up to 53 now. So I mean, literally, if I wanted to, I could just not do anything for a whole year and just have stuff to release. But I'm not going to do that. I actually want to try and get through all of it. So at some point, I can just, I can be caught up and only release as I do the, uh, as I do the interview. So there's no, so it, so there's no sitting on the shelf. Um, that's the goal. This episode, I am, ta- oh, you know what? I have another, I have another announcement. So in order to make this process kind of help me go, a little bit faster. I'm trying to look for an intern or somebody who wants to listen to an episode and write the, uh, the details, um, like the, uh, the show note description and, uh, the title that's, uh, SEO and, and, uh, keyword optimized. And then also as you're listening through the episode, do the, uh, keywords and the tags. And I mean, what is like an hour, um, I can't afford to pay you, but I mean, if you like, if you do a solid job, I mean, I'm going to, 
obviously I'll, I'll do something for you, you know, whether it's, you want a hoodie for a show, a show, uh, some show merch, a hoodie, uh, you know, whatever. But I mean, this is, and if you're a fan, if you're a fan of the show and you just, and this is what you want to do and you want to help out, this is definitely a way for you to do that. Uh, and you can put it on your, uh, your resume as a writing gig, um, for a published show. So, uh, that would definitely help me out, uh, trying to push through these episodes so I can get them all out and get back on to where you're not having to wait, you know, month or two to hear, hear some content. Um, so this episode is with, uh, Steve Grumbine and, uh, Steve is a, he's a podcaster and he's also an activist and he also, um, started a nonprofit called the real progressives. And he has a group on Facebook and he also has an activism. It's a file 501 C3. Um, the the real progressives and the podcast and he also has uh activism part of whatever of what he's doing as well and the reason why i had him on his on the show is i've never voted my whole life i've never voted um and you know part of the reason was is when i got out of prison i i didn't realize that i even could uh until like last year or, or last election cycle and I just wasn't impressed by any of the uh, the choices, so I didn't vote. Um, but this year, I am trying to figure out like what I would even be if I was going to vote. You know, I don't. I'm not a red. I'm not a blue. I'm not. You know, I know I'm a union member, and usually they vote heavy on Democratic uh, candidates. But I don't follow what they say. Um, <clears throat> so I talked to Steve, and was he was kind of like walking me through some of the questions that I may have or, you know, what they were about. And, uh, I'm trying to get Spike Cohen on who's the vice president, uh, candidate for the libertarian party and have him explain what, you know, the libertarian party stands for and and what they offer, you know, cause I'm trying to narrow down, like, what am I, you know, what, what would I even be considered politically? So, I mean, I know I don't like the government, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, so anyways, this is a a good episode. Um, it was a great conversation. Uh, it was really informative and I, I actually, Steve is a cool guy, man. And the way that we met was really funny. So anyways, I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoyed recording it. Enough of me. Let's get to the content. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I'm talking with Steve Grumbine, and Steve is a podcast host for, uh, I think, the real, well, I don't know how that actually works. It's called the Macro and Cheese podcast, and is it is it sponsored by the Real Progressives, or like, what is so, it? We're a, we're a 501c3 called Real Progressives, and this is one of our shows. We do a lot of different shows where we... Uh, we have four separate um, business units, if you will, of our nonprofit. One of them is a policy think tank for regular common people. Uh, the other is an education platform. And then we have activism, which is a 501c4. And then we have, which is called Real Progress in Action. And then we have the media, which is still part of the C3. Um, and so this is just one of the shows that we do on there as part of our outreach to the world. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, we're, we're going to get to that because you guys are like super organized when, and, <laughs> and how you and I become came to meet was through, uh, it was the con and yes. I was doing, uh, I had, I was able to screen that and I was doing publicity for them actually for free because it was like, it was one of those things that sort of grabbed a hold of me and was like, Oh my God, I got to tell everybody about this. Uh, exactly what you, <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly the kind of person that they want to watch it because it's, you know, I got it. And, um, so, and then we ended up, I watched the, the live thing that you guys were doing, right? The Q and a, uh, for just for talking to all of them, Bill Black and, 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 uh, the whole group. And it was, uh, we'd finished it. I'd made some comments, whatnot, and throughout the, uh, the thing to Patrick. And I had just, it all went off and I had just been doing something and I overheard the conversation cause you guys were still there talking back and forth, you and Rose and, and some of the other, uh, another lady, I believe. And I overheard the conversation and I'm like, Oh, I, I can help. <laughs> and then that's how we met. And then I, you know, we haven't, you know how it goes. You, know, you talk, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And then, you know, life goes on and you know, you're, day next day goes on and you know it's, it was in the back of my head <laughs> and the reason that i want to talk to you and this is what we get to and i've t- i've had a uh, jeffrey gint is it ginter or ginter 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 on my show uh as well and um he it, it was explaining mmt to me and so like here here i i'm this guy that hasn't voted never voted in my life right um was in prison for you know a few a few years spent a lot of uh, 18 years in addiction in and out of jails institutions and stuff like that i yeah. happily missed death uh <laughs> so you know I, I i just i'm this person now that is into all of this stuff you know it, it's really hard hard to miss but i was there before you know, and I, I was always thinking like, well, I'm not a Democrat and I'm not a Republican. Um, you know, like, well, what are you? You know, where do you, what, what are you? I mean, you never voted. So this year you're probably going to vote. What are you going to do? You know, and so that's kind of where I'm at in my journey. And so like, am I a progressive? Do, am I, you know what I mean? Because I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of good pieces of all of the different things. You know what I mean? There's good pieces of capitalism. There's good pieces of communism. There's good pieces of socialism. There's good pieces of Marxism. There's good pieces of what you name it. There's good in, in all of these. Like, why can't we just take it and blend it? it you know what I mean? That, that would make the most sense to me, but I, it obviously it doesn't work that way and it's not that easy. So. <laughs> So here I am, <laughs> you know, I was screaming taxpayer funded for a long time until Jeffrey was like, no, 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 well, here, you can say that, but you would be wrong in, 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 in spouting that out because it's not true. It's not, it's not necessarily how you think it is. So where do you want to take this? Tell me, tell I me don't where know, you want to take this. I, don't know. I can complex. take this a thousand. Let, let me start out with some important things that I got from what you just said. Number one, um, yesterday I celebrated 14 years without a drink of alcohol. And um, my father, that was his four-year anniversary from being dead. So the reason why this matters is is that 10 years prior to uh, my father's death, he took the keys out of my hand one night. I was in a blackout rage, drunk as a skunk, 
And my father said, you know, very sick man was already dying, had super nuclear policy, progressive super nuclear policy and hunched over and shaken, grabbed the keys out of my hands and said, I'm not going to let you kill yourself. And, uh, you know, me being a big guy, I hunkered up. I was like ready to hit him. And he's like, you beat me up, but I'm not going to let you die. So something stayed me even in my drunken state. And I went into my mom and dad's house and went to sleep. And uh, he saved my life because I was blacked out. I was completely drunk beyond any reasonable measure. And uh, that was September 15th, 2006. September 15th, 2016, shortly after Bernie Sanders had conceded at the DNC, et cetera, um, my father passed away. Now, my son, I have a son, was born on September 17th. 2015. So two days after my father uh, passed, my son had celebrated his one year, his first birthday. But one week prior to him dying, we had gone and visited him. And my father um, had spoken at my anniversaries, uh, you know, in recovery um, and fell on the sword, confessed to all the things he had ever done to me in his life. You know, just, it was weird. It was like, hundreds of people in this room. And there he is telling everybody that all the things he had ever done that maybe he felt guilty about and that he had hurt me and all this stuff. And uh, it was a huge healing thing. So I, one of the very rare moments where a guy gets to say, I made peace with my father before he passed, but he also gave me a gift dying on my anniversary for sobriety and 10 years to the day he died on that day. So my life has been kind of sculpted around that. And you asked whether you're a progressive or a Democrat or this or that or the other. And I came from the Republican side. I was very, very much a right-wing guy. I was a Christian, Judeo-Christian guy. Um, you could say I was a, a Christo-fascist in many ways. Uh, I would have probably been a Trumper back in the day. I, I would have probably spouted off a lot of the nonsense you hear right now. But what I found was is that the Democratic Party didn't really speak my language. And the Republican Party didn't really speak my language. And I decided that it was more important to figure out what, in fact, my language was. And that's how modern monetary theory, which is what you talked about, came into play. Now, I'm very, very deep in the weeds with politics. So I, there's a lot of things that I understand. And, you know, I see how people can see something attractive in the Republican Party's rhetoric and something attractive in the Democratic Party's rhetoric. But what happens is, is that you start peeling back the layers of the onion. So much of what Republicans stand for and against is based in a faulty understanding of how economics works, based in a faulty understanding of how the federal government spends or the federal government taxes and what it does with the proceeds of those taxes. And so the Democrats on the flip side have the same thing. And you remember way back in the 80s, you had people busting the Democrats out. You're just another tax and spend liberal. Right. Just another tax and spend liberal. And it was almost like, you know, saying the F word, you know, just rolled right off your tongue. Um, but in reality, both of them have it wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So Republicans uh, think that, you know, we need to cut taxes and we need because we cut taxes, that means we have to reduce programs or reduce spending and so forth. Democrats think we need to raise taxes, but then we'll spend it on these programs that will only serve a few people. 
So something didn't work here with me because we had money out the wazoo to go to war. We never flinched when we gave tax cuts to the rich. We never flinched when we did all these things. But when it came to basic human necessities, we flinched. It was suddenly off limits. And I couldn't understand why. It didn't make any sense. And the reason it didn't make any sense is because it doesn't make sense. It's a lie. And that's where MMT exposes things. So you ask where you fit. And I say as a guy in recovery that wants to save the world, that I kind of found my niche when I realized that taxes didn't fund spending. So the Republicans don't have to worry about their hard-earned tax dollars paying for so-and-so's bad decisions. And the flip side is, is that the Democrats don't have to worry about their tax dollars paying for the next war because neither is true. Taxes literally do not fund spending. Mm -hmm. So what happens with these two crazy characters when they've got all this faulty thinking going on and they're fighting a pitch battle over a lie? It, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys. Only difference is it's it's a fraudulent fight they're having, right? It's, so, it's it's smoke and mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically, like, it, it what it what it seems like it, it it seems like that there's this theater going on up here, right? There's this overlay that that's that everybody's seeing, and it's the theater that that is 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 used to. Um, you know, get people called into, oh, well, this is where you belong and this is where you belong, but there's a shadow, there's a shadow, uh, thing going on behind the scenes that's really running the show. You know what I mean? And sort so to, of, so to, so to, so to, so to say, you know what I mean? It's like nothing ever is as it seems. Um, we, we use the media to, to fool you into how we want you to think. Um, you know, there's all these arms of, of, like control mechanisms, right. That they have. And it's like, well, is it the governments that have them or is it the, is it the donor class, the, the elites that are, are, are pulling the strings going, okay, well, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's crash their economy over here. So let's move all this money and do make all these moves and, and shuttle everything over here. Or we want to take somebody's currency. You know what I mean? It's like, it, and you hear all of this stuff. Cause I, I follow, I follow, uh, as you can probably tell conspiracy stuff and uh <laughs> you know and then you hear you hear all of these things that it's all done over in the Bilderberg group that all of them get together and they decide how they're going to how they're going to screw the world over and and uh you know how how they're going to make the maze and change it and you know cuz they're all just sitting up there and we're here for their amusement so i mean like how much of that is true is it just like cuz i think i think i think when people think of nefariousness right a lot of the a lot of the times what I'm finding is is that things aren't as nefarious as you think. They're just they're just byproducts of a of a of a system that you know of something else. You know what I mean? And this just ended up happening. It, it's not that it was meant to be that way. It just came out that way. Just think about this, right? What is the number? I'm going to take a total weird analogy for you. Okay. What is the number one reason projects fail? Lack uh, of planning, right? Lack, yeah, well, lack planning of planning and, 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 and follow through. Well, the, the planning is the key thing. Yeah. Failure to plan is planning to fail. But the second big thing is when they look at projects that fail, the other part is communication. So planning and communication. Well, when you see wealthy people planning, when you see them talking, when you see them going to a meeting and discussing what they think should happen and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not communicating to the rest of the world. 
It's behind closed doors. What naturally happens? People, you, you've, you've played that game where, where you whisper in someone's ear and they pass it through the thing. And at the end, it's like you said, hey, I, I like apples. That's what you say in the first person's ear. And by the time it's all said and done, they're like, oh, my God, there's an atom bomb. You know, something like that, right? <laughs> Look, that so, looks like an apple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. I, I think that what you see is in the absence of solid information, people fill the void. They fill that lacuna with bullshit, uh, you know, tales from the fire pit, as I call it, um, tales from the bar stool, whatever. And, uh, you know, I used to be a Ron Paul guy. I used to follow all the Alex Jones nonsense years ago, and it is nonsense, right? They take a snippet of truth, just enough truth to, you know, make it credible, but then they go ahead and spin a yarn for everything that they can't directly answer. And and so the reason why it sticks is because there's just enough truth to say, see, 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 look. Yeah, yeah. But there's just not any real truth to it, right? Mm-hmm. So I have this joke, you know, a lot of people talk about ending the Federal Reserve and so forth. And they say the Rothschilds own it and stuff. I'm like, why don't you go ahead, bribe the guy's uh, butler, get him to spike his Earl Grey. And, and friggin' and the Rothschild reign, right? It, it's bullshit, right? It, it really is bullshit. Governments are the ones that have control. But then you go back to your original point. How is, you know, government not listening to the people? It's listening to someone else. So it's been, quote, unquote, captured. Who has it been captured by? It's been captured by big money interest. Well, how did it get captured by big money interest when, in fact, the federal government itself is the currency creator? Mm-hmm. And you go back and forth with all these... Oh, my God. But the reality is, is that most people don't have any idea how currency is created. They have no idea what it means. They have no idea what a dollar is. Um, they have no idea about how federal governments, especially state currencies, work. They think in terms of gold standard logic because the textbooks didn't do much good about teaching fiat systems back in the day. And so in the absence of information, yet once again, they create narratives. And, and, you know, libertarians in particular do not like the idea of the state controlling anything. They want it decentralized. They want it. They don't like taxes because taxes force. They got all these things. But in reality, a fiat system works because there's an imposition of a tax. And so the, the saying goes that the original, you know, kings and queens that wanted to uh, get the people that were living on their own farms and you know, doing their own fishing and doing whatever. They needed labor. They needed labor to build roads, highways, uh, aqueducts, you know, castles, whatever, build a standing army, you name it. And the guy would come up to him and say, here's this gold coin. Um, Will you come build me an aqueduct? And the guy go, what am I going to do with this gold coin? Does nothing for me. He goes, you got a good point. You're right. It doesn't do anything for you. How about this? How about you have to pay a tax payable only in this gold coin that has my face on it or you'll lose your house. How about that? Now, will you do what I said? Oh yeah. How do I get that gold coin? Well, I need you to build an aqueduct. Oh, okay. I'll do it now. Well, the thing is, is that where did the gold coin with his face come from? He, he minted it himself. It started with the state. The state issued it first. Yeah. 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 And then it collected some of it back. Did it need that money back to survive? No. It was the currency issuer to begin with. Okay. It needed to impose a tax because otherwise there was no reason for you to accept it in payment of anything. 
Why would I build you an aqueduct when I'm perfectly happy farming on my own land, fishing in my own, you know, creek, doing my own thing? Why do I want to build a road for you? I have no need to. I'm self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. Well, the imposition of the tax is what drove. Well, anyway, now flash forward a hundred years, and we've got a whole new set of, um, you know, parameters going on here. Hold on one second, buddy. I'm so sorry about yeah, this. Yeah, You'll have good. to edit this. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. No worries. <clears throat> um, yeah. So where was I at in this picture? I was painting you a picture here. You were painting me a picture of... Uh, the way money started, the money story. Yeah, yeah, the money story. You know, we have to create a need. You know what I mean? Why is this important to me? Um, you know, why is why is this gold coin important to me? Okay, well now you need to pay a tax, so now it creates that that relationship. That's correct, and it's payable only in that currency. So ultimately, what you have is a a it's kind of a force thing. It's a carrot and a stick thing, and that imposition of that tax is what drives a modern day fiat system. Mm-hmm. The tax itself, though doesn't serve any purpose other than drive the demand for the currency. It allows the government to provision itself. The government would not be able to provision itself if you were not willing to accept that currency for payment of services rendered or products or anything like that, right? So that imposition of the tax is the only reason why your dollar that you have in your pocket has any value whatsoever. Otherwise, as people often say, oh, money is just bullshit. It's fake, you know? Yeah. Well, it ain't fake. It's a legal unit of account. It's like an inch or a, a pound or any number of things. So that that measure, that unit of measure is also what they call a tax credit. In other words, the government issues tax credits and then receives them back as payment to resolve your tax liabilities. But they're not used to fund programs at all. In other words, we may be able to do big things like Medicare for all. So every one of us has health care and doesn't have to worry about going bankrupt for cancer. You know, it, the government can afford that without any problem. It's never an issue of how much money it has because it it creates money at will. And, and that's the beautiful thing. And that's what we have to understand about MMT is we're saying to Republicans, hey, you're right. We don't have to tax that much. We can lower taxes, but maybe we should raise them on the wealthy because they're able to buy too much of our government. Maybe that's why they have so much power mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. we haven't taxed wealth, right? Yeah. So we need to worry about income inequality, things like that. And you say, well, what about a Green New Deal? Why would we care about a Green New Deal? And it's like, well, you know, we're watching California burning up. Yeah. We're watching our oceans acidify. We're watching sea levels rise. We're watching, you know, Arctic ice melt and stuff like that. Well, what's going to happen if we don't have something like a Green New Deal when those immigrants start moving from the coastal communities inward? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a wall built up and you've got Trump building walls and you've got Bangladeshis and all the other people merging and Muslims and Hindus coming together. You're talking about war. You're talking about all kinds of horrible things, right? You're mm-hmm. really talking about a lot of human pain and suffering. So these are things that, you know, somebody will come back to you and say, well, how are you going to pay for it? And it's like, well, it's not a thing. It's not an issue. The government will create currency and it will pay for those things without any flinch whatsoever. And so now Democrats who want to raise taxes to pay for stuff are suddenly, you know, instead of trying to raise taxes, they don't have to worry about that. And that was a lot of what bit Bernie Sanders in the butt because he never would speak this way. He kept it, you know, he wouldn't even talk about it. So 
you know, you, you look at the lie, this pernicious lie that exists in society. School books don't teach it. Colleges don't teach it. You know, we don't think about it. Our, our sitcoms don't talk about it. Nothing talks about it. It's all in this old school gold standard logic where we think that taxes pay for things. We The Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, taxpayer dollar myth and all the other stuff. All this thinking has really, really bred the grounds for all the hatred you see in, in our uh, economic system, in our political system. And, and then you have to ask the question, well, what, why? What is the purpose of this battle here? Misdirection and is what it seems like. It's, exactly. It's everything, everything that we're coming across right now is all about misdirection. That's it's, right. it's, it's like, okay, well, here, look at, look at this over here. Oh, while well, we're doing bipartisan stuff back over here that nobody's going to know about. And the, and the media that we control mm-hmm. is not going to talk about it because we want you thinking that we're fighting all the That's time. Right. You know what I mean? Because if we're fighting, then you're fighting. That's right. In the last 40 years, 40, 50 years, the neoliberal era kicked in. And the neoliberal era has been all about privatization. Okay. It's been about eliminating public purpose, public space, and all in the essence, all in the uh, vein of private property. So libertarians won in the 60s, they, and they've been pushing this ever since. And it's kept us all hungry and starving and feral. And, and it's put people in jail. I mean, because each time they privatize something, they have to exact the ama- massive amount of market saturation they can do, right? So that's why you see more and more mass incarceration because there's big money in mass incarceration. There's big money in um, all these different Wall Street things. They, they want to get rid of Social Security. Why? Because the government's broke? No. They want to get rid of Social Security because they want to push it to Wall Street. If Wall Street controls it, well, now guess what? Once again, it's more getting rid of public space and more pushing it to private space. And the public being the creator of the dollar, it's safe. It's secure. There's no volatility there. But once you put it to Wall Street, the ebbs and flows of the the markets, man, oh, man, what an idiot's game that is, right? But that is neoliberalism. And that is what both the Democrats and the Republicans, although they they play for different teams, so to speak, they're pushing for different winners at the top, but it's never winners at the bottom, right? Yeah. You see a poor guy in Appalachia. You see a poor guy in in the flyover states, as they say, in the Midwest, whatever. The poor white guys that voted for Trump, a lot of these people. They feel left out, forgotten, et cetera. What if I could tell you that the economics of modern monetary theory and the people that are pushing this understand that we can have a caring economy for the entire 100%, 99%, because the 1% have got a stranglehold on all of the resources. And that's really what MMT says is that it's not a scarcity of dollars. It's a scarcity of resources. So let's say, hypothetically, we gave you Medicare for all. What is the real constraint for having health care for everyone? It's not the money. We can pay anything we want. We can never run out of dollars. We can never run out of inches or pounds. What we can run out of, though, is doctors, nurses, hospital beds, gurneys, phlebotomists, whatever, right? And so that uh, that is the message that ultimately we have to get ahead of. So rather than us fighting back and forth about how we're going to afford it, we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to resource it? Right. Yeah. And so if you know that in a, in five years, you're going to try to have a universal health care plan five years prior, maybe you want to really invest in paying uh, people to get an education. In fact, I think everyone should be able to get a free education, but get, get doctors and, and nurses and everybody else trained in advance of that. Prepare for that so that you can show the roadmap 
Because, you know, if you have every single person suddenly being able to get every tooth fixed, instead of it being the privilege of the wealthy, everybody that's got a, a bad tooth can get it fixed. Everybody that's got a, uh, a cyst can get it removed. Everybody that's got cancer can get chemo without question. You know, all of a sudden now, it's not like just, you know, healthcare for the rich. Now everybody has that. And um, I think that's a really important uh, thing that we as a, um, I don't know how to say this, but we as human beings need to really consider as we try to evaluate uh, what is good, what is bad, where we stand on things. I mean, if you knew that you could give everyone health care without flinching and it wouldn't raise everybody's taxes up and it wasn't stealing from so-and-so to take the so-and-so, I think most people would say, hell yeah, I want everybody to have good health and good medical care and good mental health and substance abuse, whatever. Yeah, because- my my, my my question on that would be though, like as somebody who's uh, you know pays for, I'm I'm a union member, um, mm-hmm. so I I mean I pay for my health care, my and you know still my exes and my and my daughters, uh-huh. um, but it's uh, so what does that mean? What does that mean for the guy who's paying for who's paying for his his medical? Not I mean not necessarily. I mean I have to work 130 hours a month in order to have this coverage, um, so it's not free. Uh, but what is what does that mean now? So if if everybody gets healthcare for all, are they still taking it out, or does that money go back into my no, pocket? Man, now? they get it's done, man. They 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 wipe out private insurance forever. Because what do insurance companies actually provide you? Nothing. Well, they're you just a middleman. That's it. Nothing. Get rid of them. They they produce no value to society. They're a leech. Yeah. Get them out of here. Boom. Skedaddle. And and so now all of a sudden, instead of it being about insurance companies deciding how they want to try and screw you out of your your payments. Now, all of a sudden, you don't even think about it. I mean, I have friends in Canada that are absolute, they're like, I am so sorry you have to go through this. They're going to the chiropractor. They're getting their teeth fixed. They're going and getting, you know, regular care. They're not skipping uh, health checks and stuff because they don't have the money. I mean, you go in for a blood test in America, even with insurance, and all of a sudden you get an eight hundred dollar bill for all the tests. It's like, <clears throat> what do I do with this? How how yeah. do I how do I solve this? And like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's what it costs. That sounds like a great thing to me. I and and I mean, if you putting it that way, I mean, what's the issue with it? Why, why you know what I mean? But why is it so difficult? for people to get on board with this and they just, they, they think socialism, socialism, Oh, the boogeyman socialism. And it's like, do you not realize that the trillions of dollars that are being given to the, to the, to the donors and the, and the corporations is socialism? Well, so socialism, <laughs> let's, let's talk about what socialism sort of, is I mean, and is not. So socialism isn't about spending public spending is just public spending right yeah socialism is about the the balance between ownership and the means of production so so in other words when you have capital that means somebody a capitalist owns the business Mm -hmm. they're skimming value from your labor and that's how they make their money socialism is about owning the means of production it's employee and all the ownership is by all Right. Yeah. So instead of one guy sifting, you know, extra uh, value out of your labor, you know, they they are in fact giving it throughout everybody. It's kind of dare I say like co-ops. Okay. Mm. 
Um, and so when people talk about that, they just assume that that's social. That's not socialism. It's okay. not socialism at all. It's public purpose spending, which we've done since the dawn of time. And we used to do it a lot more and we used to be a lot happier. You know, isn't it funny that Donald Trump has a make America great again symbol? Well, it was great for some people, but it wasn't great for all, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a lot of people that were being lynched. We had a lot of people that were being denied access to basic schools. You know, when they integrated schools, a lot of Southern states literally closed their public schools. Rather than integrate, they closed the schools down. I mean, how pathetic is that? That's the sickness that's in this country. So there's so many uh, talent, so many knots that have to be undone in this Gordian knot that we're, you know, in. But one of the big ones is the money story. And I think that's why, um, you know, folks like myself and Jeff Ginter, who you mentioned, um, are so passionate about working with modern monetary theory because it literally answers, you know, it, it, it just for you to be against helping people. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a dollar value thing anymore. You can't hide behind not wanting taxes to go. Now you just have to accept you're an asshole. Now you have to look the mirror and say, damn, I just don't want them to be okay. That's what it is. It's not costing me anything. The problem is the Democrats want to make sure that you see them paying for programs, right? Mm -hmm. And so by them putting this forward out, they make Republicans look like they're correct. So you've got Democrats that are playing this game from the other side of the hand. And you got Republicans playing it the other way. And so if if you think about it from our perspective, which is why I'm I'm outside of that. I'm yeah, like, yeah. hey, listen, kids, you're wrong. You're wrong. And partisans, as you've seen, they they don't want to be told they're wrong because after all, they're they're team A and they're team B. And teams want to beat each other. They don't want to work together. They want to, they want to fight each other. They want to be one up, you know. And that's what you see with like a lot of the Trumpers, you know. They see the little bit of privilege they had based on their skin color and things like that. And they say, God bless you. Even taking away that now, I have nothing, you know, and it's like, well, you know what? There's, it doesn't have to be that way. We can build a caring economy for all, but going back, back to reconstruction and before every time you would have a class-based fight where the regular workers, the unions and all the other folks pulled together black, white, you name it, will pull together. They would put a wedge issue in there to ensure that they broke up that that conglomerate, that unification, right? Yeah, yeah. They would create scabs, if you will, uh-huh. by, by putting these wedge issues in. And so this has gone throughout the history of time. Poor white people have been given slight benefits just because of their whiteness. And that has been pervasive throughout society going way back. That was how they literally destroyed the the chances of the Freeman's Bureau when uh, slavery ended and when Reconstruction was going. That's how they, they created vagrancy laws. They created all well, these 13th things. Amendment. Uh, the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment was the one that, that we're still, which is, is the main reason you brought up mass incarceration and yes. earlier and, you know, me being a, a, uh, I don't, I don't know what you mean, a graduate. I don't know. <laughs> a graduate from the federal system. Um, you know, I, I didn't spend a lot of time there. I spent three years in in state and federal. But I mean, yeah, three years is, it was enough time for me to realize that that's not what I liked and that's not where I want to go back to. Um, sure. You know, but while I was there, I, I, I saw a lot and I talked to a lot of different people and I was like, oh my God, I, I just couldn't believe like for people that were getting like... I. What I did, I, I 
I got the time that I wanted or that I need there. They didn't do it. They didn't, they didn't screw me basically is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? I, I, I had some forgery and fraud stuff and, uh, and that was pretty much it for that. And the trafficking charge in the state. Um, but there were other people that were there on, um, conspiracy charges. And it, like when you, and I didn't realize this then, but when I got out and I started dealing with some other stuff and, 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 and some stuff out of the Northern District of Texas and one of the judges there, well, they're handing out decades for low level drug, drug offenders. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's, to me, it is to put these people in Unicor. And for the prison, the, the prison industry, you know what I mean? If you can get them in there for years, you've got guaranteed labor. You know what I mean? At a dollar an hour, $2 that they can max out at, right? Where yep. these, these unicorn, uh, in, in these, uh, in each one, and I don't know how many there are. I know that uh, almost every prison has a unicorn in it in the federal system, but. I talked to one of the girls because I'm in contact with uh, a lot of the uh, like about 10 or 15 inmates that were in this indictment and I'm like doing an expose on it. And, uh, she's saying that, you know, they, they, in that particular facility, it was like almost a $500 million profit and she worked on the books, right? She was an accountant in there. Um, and we're paying $44,000, not we're paying, but it's costing $44,000 per inmate to 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 live there right and they do all of the work there they do all the maintenance they do all the plumbing the electrical anything that has to be done is done by the inmates so i mean what does it really cost to run a prison other than the food right so you're telling me that you can't afford to facilitate this facility with the 500 million that this for-profit stuff is has brought in for you but yet you know it the state or the government's paying for housing all these people. So it really, it really doesn't make sense to me, you know? And so my thing is, is like when I start thinking about this, so like in 94, that's when the crime bill and, and, and uh, Clinton decided he wanted to change all of that and maximize, you know, sentences, double the times, mandatory minimums, all of this stuff. So did that kind of coincide around the time when, uh, you know, we had the CIA bringing in the cocaine and flooding the streets with crack cocaine to <laughs> start the war on drugs and bring that clientele to the prisons? I mean, does it all kind of like work together? And, and if I it- strongly, strongly recommend reading the book, um, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Okay. And this book will detail in a ways that you never thought possible the way that the constant changing of what is acceptable and how they get around it is done. And this has been done forever. You know, you used to not be able to say the N word or you used to be able to say it all the time. And then all of a sudden you weren't allowed to say it anymore. And so what did they do? They changed things up. They called it taxpayers. Right. Uh And so this way, you know, you knew what, what does a taxpayer look like? You think it looks like a, a black person, a gay person of this. No, it looks like a white guy with a suit on, right? That's yeah, what they yeah. envision the taxpayer. Good, good, solid citizen. Do you the think Monopoly man. Black? Yeah, exactly. They're not <laughs> talking about some poor guy in the streets of Baltimore. They're talking about the guy that owns the business that's rooking the 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 community. And and so they, they keep changing things. And so what they did was they outlawed slavery. Uh-huh. No one can own a slave kind uh-huh. of thing. Yeah. But what did they do? They turned around and they created vagrancy laws and stuff like that so that if people didn't have jobs, that the state would pick them up and then make them 
slaves of the state. Yeah. So the state then owned them and it wasn't people. So now it was legal. So it was a legal form of slavery where they put them on the chain gang and the line, you know, and so you had slave labor and this has been going on forever. And so there's so many ways that they do this. Yeah. Anyway, the, the drug war was just one more way of saying, well, we can't say this anymore. We can't do that anymore. So we'll do it this way now. And yeah. they, and it, you can watch this long trajectory of checkmate, checkmate, checkmate. We're going yeah, yeah. to keep our racism going, brother. You, we ain't going to change it. <laughs> we're going to change how it is exhibited, right? Oh, so we're going to get, think, we're going to keep our slaves. Damn it. <laughs> you got it, man. And, and so I just, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's very important for people to understand the, what had happened in uh, the sixties in particular with uh, Milton Friedman, uh, a huge push in terms of dismantling uh, FDR's uh, new deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So much effort to dismantle the new deal. And what they did was they created this concept of quantity theory of money. And they started saying that government spending was literally inflationary. So we got to stop doing this. Didn't have any problems in World War II. Didn't have any problems before. But now all of a sudden we have problems, right? Yeah. And so they they framed it in this way so that they could peel away. So they had a, a real good cause to peel away the social safety nets. And this is why you see people pushing a UBI, a universal basic income. It is the culmination of destroying the social safety nets that libertarians have been pushing for with what they call helicopter money or negative uh, income tax. And the idea here is, here's your $100, shut up and get out of my face. I don't care whether you can afford health care. I don't care whether you can afford a house. I don't care whether you can afford anything. Here's your $100. You got your UBI, now shut up and go away. And this is why when they talk about things like reparations and stuff like that, it's like, here's your thousand dollars and I get out of my face. Well, the, the entire society has been routed against them. The laws created have been built to catch them and destroy them. So the thousand dollars doesn't do anything. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so this is, this has been ongoing to dismantle social services. And so just think about it. Businesses have one thing that they're doing. They got to maximize profit. They got to make money, right? Mm-hmm. The government doesn't have to make money. The government creates money. It doesn't yeah. have to make money. So these kinds of services are best served where they're not in a profit motive, where they don't have to worry about whether they're turning a profit because now all of a sudden they're making a decision of whether you should be left to die or live based on some profit exchange where they, they've come up with some formula to determine what the optimum level of death is or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's that kind of thing that, that modern monetary theory um, just, just rips away. Yeah. And then you expose the fact that what you're doing is you really are concerned with making profit. You are concerned about creating markets. You are concerned about privatizing. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're not interested in providing a healthy society because you'll call that socialist. You'll call that communism. You'll call yeah. that something perverse. But in reality, you're not calling this murder over here. And that's what it is. is they're, they're, it's state-sanctioned murder by shifting into this neoliberal paradigm. And, and folks really are like, hey, as long as it doesn't impact me, I don't care. So they keep enough of us happy. Yeah. That who cares if the bottom 20% die, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares what happens to all those kids that are now born into society to be the next uh, school to prison pipeline attendees to, to be the next graduates yeah, of, the, yeah. of the state, right? So I, I think that, you know, an understanding of MMT is vital 
to changing the narrative, to changing society. And you asked originally what you were, and I would ask you not to think about what you uh, pay for today because we can restructure society to be the way we want it to be so that we all prosper. So the question is, what do you want society to look like? Do you want people having to struggle for no valid reason other than, hey, we want to make it hard on you so that you'll do whatever we say? If you think about this, they make life just hard enough that you don't have freedom. So you're all but a slave in your own way anyway. You yeah. can't just go do something, right? And so so how do you how do you un you know disconnect that relationship of master and servant, slave and you know, slaveholder, so to speak. And and the only way that you know we figured this out was to create what they call a federal job guarantee. A federal job guarantee is a um, a way of providing jobs to people, felons, you name it, anyone. A job is a right paid for by the state at a living wage and with benefits. Now what happens to a business owner? They have to compete with the state providing this new, instead of a minimum wage, you've provided a living wage. Yeah, and yeah. nobody's going to be foolish enough to go work for a crap job if if they aren't paying what the the uh, federal job guarantee is paying. Yeah. So this fundamentally shifts it again. So there's a bunch of things there that I think that if you're asking, you know, where do you fit? The question is, what do you want to see society? Do you want people happy, healthy, and whole? Or do you want people struggling and freaking fighting at home and kicking the cat because they're, they're stressed, they're going to lose their job, and they're waiting for the next round of layoffs? And I mean, look at this COVID-19 thing, for example. I had a lady named Pavlina Trenevo on my podcast not too long ago. She's one of the rock stars of the federal job guarantee. And we talked specifically about nationalizing payroll. So during COVID-19, they're sitting there racing to get back to work. Well, what if we paid everybody to stay home? What if we gave them their full wage at home? What if we told businesses, give us what your your six-month statement is. We'll pay you six months of whatever to, and, and just keep everybody stayed right now to, to keep this pandemic from going crazy. Now, I mean, forget all the conspiracy theories about the pandemic. I'm yeah, just yeah, trying yeah. to give you the economic message, right? We could have done that without any thought. It would, yeah. bam, just like that. But we didn't. Why not? Because they know every time there's a recession, Jamie Dimon of Chase Morgan and all that stuff, you know, Morgan Chase, these these guys are friggin' raking in bucks. As people like myself would be foreclosed on, mm -hmm. they come in, capture that property, resell it, and make money once again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to understand, you know, where do you fit in this paradigm? Where do you fit? And this is a soul-searching thing, right? you got to ask yourself, what kind of society do you want to live in? And know, in fact, that you can do that. It can be done. It's not pie in the sky. If it's technically feasible, it's completely affordable. So the question becomes, what do you want? And, and so from that angle, it was what put me directly into the progressive camp um, because I want to see people happy, healthy, and whole. Um, I'm in recovery. You know, I know what it means to struggle. And I know what it means to support one another. And I'd like to see a society built a lot more like that than what we have today. So that's that's what put me into the progressive camp. You know, I, Democrats are dog eat dog. They're always, well, I paid my student loans. Why should you get yours paid for? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's, yeah. It's it's it always it always it always comes back to like that. It's like, and I and I've done that, and and I've and I've actually experienced that being in a union. I was, uh, you know, I was 
in the uh, business part of what my union does. So I was a, a trustee and a, and a, a executive board member for a couple of years. And those were elected positions. I ran for a business agent, lost. Um, <laughs> that was interesting, um, you know, and, and, and really seeing how that works, you know what I mean? Because it really, it, in, in an election, it, it doesn't matter what the merit of what you've done is it's how popular you are and you know how much bullshit you can uh convince everybody that you're going to do for them and i w- i'm not that kind of guy man i'm a straight shooter so it's like i'm not going to tell you what i what what i want what you want to hear i'm gonna tell you what you need to hear you know it, 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 dues are like taxes man they aren't going they're not going down so get that out of your mind. And so, and the other guy was like, well, I'm going to lower dues and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do all these things that you can't do. But, and, and, and so it was really a glimpse into actual the national of where we are because this was like a, a microcosm of what the national, like what the national stage is. Right. And so you have all of these people that are just uneducated. You know what I mean? They don't like you belong to this union, but you have no idea how the hell it works. You have no idea that you, you're never going to lower dues. You have no idea that 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 the the pension and everything else that that a, 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 even the business manager doesn't have the ability to go in and change the pension. You know what I mean? So and so this guy just basically, I mean, I I almost felt like probably Hillary Clinton did. You know what I mean? Because I had I this guy just came out of nowhere, nothing. Right. And I've spent time and volunteered and done all this other stuff. And it's like, man, it just fucking whoop, kicked me to the curb. And I was like, and it, it, it was a, it was a, it was a check. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, you, you think of yourself in one way. And, and then when, when it like that, that how you present to people and like, you know, you have an idea of who you think you are and, and how you look to everybody else. And then like to realize that like, oh shit, I'm way off. <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean so- i do i do man well hey listen uh you know i i uh really appreciate you having me on yep, i yep. uh it's it, it's it's nice to be able to talk with people that are um fellow travelers that are have experienced struggle that know struggle um and you know if if i had any like you know parting words for you i would just say you know number one just remember that whatever is today doesn't have to be tomorrow, that we can make changes. We can do whatever we want. Just like you've made changes in your own personal life, mm-hmm. we can make changes as a country too. And it, it doesn't have to be rocket science. I mean, the fact of the matter is when you understand that government creates money via keystrokes, you know, it, Congress has to pass the bill. So really you have to have votes. It's votes. And it's also um, resources. It's not cash. Cash is king. It's easy to get because the government creates it freely. Hmm. Um, states are a little different. States have to tax and they have to invest and do different things. But the federal government, it can afford to do everything that we're trying to make it do. And uh, and I would strongly suggest looking at uh, uh, people like Stephanie Kelton, who just wrote a book, The Deficit Myth. Great book. I suggest to everyone to get it. Um, Pavlina Cherneva, The Case for a Job Guarantee, uh, T-C-H-E-R-N-E-V-A, Cherneva. Um, got Bob Hockett that just released a book, Robert Hockett, look it up. Um, lots of good stuff out there, man. And, um, you know, with that, 
I got to go, but I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on, man. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. Not at all, man. Uh, go ahead and uh, plug your podcast and, and anything else that you want to uh, that you want to let people know where to find you and what you're doing. Sure. So, you know, as you see the background, um, I have uh, a podcast called Macro and Cheese, and uh, you can find us at realprogressives.org. Or you can find us on YouTube at Real Progress in Action. That's our 501c4. Um, and we're also on Facebook and Twitter and Rockfin, you name it. Okay. We're all over the place. Yeah, so, you guys anyway. got a really organized uh, deal there. I mean, I'm a part of the uh, teams uh, Rose did. And I was, it's like, uh-huh. you, you got people like doing transcript. Like, it's a really, it's, <laughs> it's like super organized. I'm like, geez, I didn't really expect this. But yeah, you guys are doing I, it, man. <laughs> thanks, man. You know what? Uh, glad to know you. Glad to be a part of things with you. And hopefully we can work together in the future, man. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And I'm narrowing down where I want to be. So uh, definitely I, I, I want to hook up with you guys a little bit more. So Awesome, man. Take it easy, buddy. Thank you so much for having me on, man. All right. Thank you. Bye. Yep. Bye. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue-collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved. To connect to the show, book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.